This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 105, with Jason Hartman. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you guys today and in today's show we're going to look at how to identify opportunities in a changing economic and market environment. We're also going to be looking at what is in store for the economy and markets in 2017 and the next four years the current state of the real estate market, and how a podcast has helped my guests generate over $10 million in sales and much, much more. My guest today is Jason Hartman. Jason Hartman is a self-made millionaire, serial entrepreneur, and host of a fantastic podcast with more than 3,000 episodes. Jason has been involved in several thousand real estate transactions and has owned income properties in 11 states and 17 cities. His company, Platinum Properties Investor Network, helps people achieve the American dream of financial freedom by purchasing income property in prudent markets nationwide. Jason's complete solution for real estate investors is a comprehensive system providing real estate investors with education, research, resources, and technology to deal with all areas of their income property investment needs. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts by tweeting me on Twitter at MC Lobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Today's show is brought to you by Joint Ops Properties and International Coffee Farms. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For more valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. International Coffee Farms provides an opportunity where you can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. Sustainable income through offshore sustainable agriculture. For more information on this ownership opportunity, please visit internationalcoffeefarms.com. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can grab a free audiobook download from Audible. When you try Audible for 30 days, you can grab your free audiobook download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, MC. It's great to be here. Jason, I've been following your projects and work for a, a long while, and you have a fascinating background and you're a serial entrepreneur. Can you share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners? Yeah, most of my journey takes place in the real estate business and uh, especially in the real estate investing business for, uh, well, forever, but most specifically for the last 12 years. And I um, I, I sold a, a traditional real estate company I owned in Southern California and uh, Coldwell Banker bought it. 
And um, about a year before that, I started uh, a new business, which is basically getting into the investment real estate business. Because, MC, what I realized is that uh, income property, I believe, is the most historically proven asset class in the entire world. It is the best, uh, most reliable road to wealth for um, you know pretty much anybody, just uh, general people and in and, and the general public. And um, unfortunately, though, it has a terrible sales force and a terrible sales system where you've got all of these local people that don't look at things in an area agnostic way. They don't look at things from a national or a global level. And they don't really know anything about the investment side, usually. Uh, they're, they're into selling people uh, homes in which to live. And those little humble single-family homes are fantastic investments. And I think the world is really waking up to that, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, but um, in the overall scheme of things, still uh, Wall Street rules the investment landscape. Because they have a very mediocre product or or a bad product, I think, um, and uh, but they have an excellent sales force. They have an excellent sales force, and so uh, there there was this sort of hole in the marketplace, and that's why I got into the investment business of, of basically uh, being like a financial services firm for real estate investors, and um, and that's the business I've been in for uh, many years now. Yeah, no, that's fascinating too, and and I agree with you about Wall Street completely. Now, as far as from an investment philosophy, what is your philosophical approach to investing, and is there a checklist that you revert to when making investment decisions or looking at investment opportunities in general? Well, my checklist is really the performa and uh, the performa for the property. And, uh, you know, any of your listeners can just go to jasonhartman.com and click on the properties section and see that performa and um, get a free 27-minute video, which is basically how to be a great investor in 27 minutes. Uh, so that's the crash course on investing. And um, and, and basically, it's, it's really about looking at the numbers it's about not speculating. Uh, I have something I created many years ago that has been copied and knocked off, um, you know, by other people. Uh, I call it the Ten Commandments of Successful Investing, um, and uh, that basically outlines the the whole strategy. Now I've added to that over the years, and I created a a next Ten Commandments, so there are really twenty now. But <laughs> but but the first ten will give give everybody really the, a good outline for it, and. Um, just to share a couple of those things, MC, are, uh, you know, thou shalt not gamble. That's commandment number five, thou shalt not gamble. And what I mean by that is uh, it, it's kind of to use a, a stock market comparison, it would be Warren Buffett. Um, and what I say is the property must make sense the day you buy it or you don't buy it. And um, making sense uh, to define that, you define that from a cash flow perspective, from an income perspective. Most people who think they're investors are really just speculators. They are buying something, whether it be real estate, Bitcoin, gold, silver, uh, or a, a non-dividend paying stock. They are buying it uh, based on the greater fool theory that says, no matter what I pay for this asset, some greater fool will come along and pay more. 
And many times that works. I've certainly made money with that strategy. Many, many people have. But many people have also lost fortunes with that strategy because they're speculating. They're gambling. They're expecting something great to happen in the future that'll save the day. But if you just buy properties that make sense the day you buy them, where you can, even if the property doesn't appreciate, even if it depreciates in value, cash flow, which is pretty reliable, it's not perfect, but it's pretty reliable, um, will give you a nice return on your investment. And depending on what return metric we're talking about, that could be anywhere from a cash-on-cash cash return of maybe 7 or 8% or or you know, 12 or 13% if it's really good, uh, to an overall return on investment of anywhere between 20 and 45% annually, annually, I said. And, you know, some of your listeners may be uh, thinking, oh, this guy's really hyping me. This is just way too optimistic. But it's not because income property is a multi-dimensional asset class, meaning that you earn that return on investment from multiple sources, okay? It's multidimensional. It's not just one-dimensional, buy low, sell high, or two-dimensional, buy low, sell high, get some dividends in between. It's multidimensional, where you earn that return from hopefully buying low, selling high, uh, or refinancing high, buy low, refinance high, and pull cash out. You get tax benefits. You get leverage. You get something I call inflation-induced debt destruction. Uh, you know, you get cash flow. Uh, there are multiple dimensions to the asset. And wherever you put your money, you want to have multiple dimensions so that if the market changes on you, you can change your return strategy from one dimension to another and be safe and ride out the storm. Uh, so that kind of in a nutshell is my investment philosophy. Jason, looking at the market right now, and I know real estate can be very local, but if we look at the landscape uh, and the, the, the housing market in the North America and the United States, what are you currently seeing out there? Well, that is a great question. And, you know, we've had a massive political sea change with the uh, new Trump administration coming in. And uh, Trump is our first real estate president. You know, nobody's saying that except me that I, I've heard. But he really is. A lot of people think of him as, oh, just a big business guy or uh, a celebrity from being on The Apprentice or a, uh, a, a jerk that they hate, uh, you know, whatever the case, right? Um, but, but Trump is a real estate guy, okay? And he understands real estate. And uh, I am quite optimistic and bullish at the moment now. You know, like any prediction, I could be wrong, and I have been wrong before. Uh, but I've been right a lot of times, too. And um, uh, one of the things that um, Trump has talked about that is very, very significant, MC, is he's talked about a, a very flawed piece of legislation called the Dodd-Frank Act. And Dodd-Frank is this 2,200-page mammoth bill that very few people really understand, including myself, I don't really understand it. But I do see certain parts of it that have uh, massively hurt people, that have really impeded uh, progress and economic recovery and benefits to a lot of people. And uh, it is a very restrictive, uh, very illogical bill. 
And um, Trump has talked about repealing it or at least gutting it and softening it and softening its impact quite a bit. And if if that happens, and uh, Trump is a, a get it done kind of guy, okay, he, he gets stuff done. Um, and uh, if that happens, that is going to allow a lot more money to flow into the financing of real estate of all types, especially single family homes. And um, that is going to be a huge boon to real estate investors um, because it is going to create a uh, an upward pressure on prices and it's going to create a lot of positive benefits for real estate investors. And, you know, we can dice that down and talk about it more. I just don't want to dominate the whole conversation with one thing, but I think that's very significant. No, I, I agree with you. I think that is extremely significant. I'm very interested about that, too. It, I mean, it, it basically changed the relationship of banking. Uh, where depositors became unsecured lenders to the bank, uh, along with all the other bail-in clauses that that provisions that were uh, hidden in this. So, as you mentioned, not a lot of folks are quite uh, aware exactly how that piece of legislation changed that relationship. So, I'm very interested to see what he does with that. Um, so, so that's very real estate specific. Now, we can talk about some stuff in the general economy, too. We can talk about jobs. We can talk about uh, international trade. There are some very significant things there um, that, you know, if you want to touch on those, we can. Uh, but uh, it sounds like you were about to say something else. No, let's, um, let's, let's jump to on the economy because that is very interesting as well. What are your views uh, with a Trump presidency on the economy? Well, I think the Democrats have basically been um, lying to the people that they say they support for several decades now. And uh, finally, uh, the blue-collar middle America and Rust Belt America got wise in this election, and they voted for a real change. Uh, because uh, the the Democrats have always said that they support the unions, they support the you know the high wage jobs. Yet behind the scenes, they've sold these people down the river with very flawed trade agreements. Uh, Bill Clinton was one of the worst offenders uh, in this regard, and Ross Perot predicted it. You know, I mean, everybody forgets that Ross Perot was famous uh, with his little cute flip charts years ago, talking about what. That giant sucking sound. That giant sucking sound. And that giant sucking sound was jobs leaving America uh, because of NAFTA and because of uh, trade with every country. But NAFTA was very significant in that. And um, and and so you can you can blame Bill Clinton for a lot of that stuff. You know, uh, they pretend to support the people that they're actually hurting. And, um, you know, you can either say it's just unintended consequences they didn't know or that there's a master plan conspiracy and they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, So either way, the result is the same. It happened. And so, look, you know, at heart, I'm a libertarian and I like the idea of free trade. But free trade, when you have massively unequal trading partners in a very unlevel playing field, which is exactly what you have when you trade with Mexico and China, et cetera, et cetera, not just those two, but those are two big ones uh, that I'll mention. Um, it doesn't work. You know, you can't have a, 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 a trading partner that doesn't have OSHA 
that doesn't have the EPA, that doesn't have minimum wage laws like we have, that doesn't have labor unions that are very powerful like we have in the U.S. You can't trade with those partners and be on an equal footing. It's just It just doesn't work. So even though philosophically I'd love to say, you know, just trade with everybody, blah, 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 you know, Trump is right in, in that you've got to have some restriction on companies like GM, who just this morning was in the news, right? Uh, if they want to go and they want to open up a plant or source products uh, for their cars from some country with massively low levels of regulation and incredibly cheap labor uh, that just pollutes the environment like crazy, and they want to sell back into the U.S. market, that is not a fair deal. So these countries have got to have some loyalty to their marketplace. The U.S. has the biggest consumer economy on planet Earth by a long shot. About 70% of all the money that U.S. consumers spend is reflected in the S&P. And you can't have these companies, you can't just allow them to leave and go be traders and get all the advantages of keeping money offshore and having uh, manufacturing offshore, basically screwing the American worker, yet expecting to sell all their products to those same people that they just abandoned. Okay, you know, there's got to be some level of loyalty to your marketplace and and that's what trump is for and um so you know he he's going to keep a lot of those jobs here and i just love the way he's like this gumshoe politician like oh you know he gets a rumor that some company is thinking of opening up a plant somewhere else and he picks up the actual phone and calls them and says let's make a deal I mean, that is so refreshing, you know, compared to, uh, uh, you know, an idiot like Obama, and I'll just say it, okay, you know, who sits there reading his teleprompter and saying, well, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, you know, here you've got a guy who's actually rolling up his sleeves and is actually doing something to change people's lives. And don't get me wrong, I don't love Trump. Okay, I didn't support him uh, much at all. I just supported him as an alternative to the criminal known as Hillary Clinton. That's the only real support I had for Trump initially. But it's um, it's pretty interesting. So I think you're going to see uh, wages go up naturally uh, just through market forces. Uh, you, you don't need to legislate $15 an hour minimum wage as Bernie Sanders would have done. Uh, you're just going to naturally see wages go up because there will be more demand for, for workers and, and that will create a competitive marketplace and wages will go up. Uh, controlling the borders is another aspect of this, not just controlling uh, goods coming in through the borders, but also controlling uh, workers coming in through the borders. Uh, that's another aspect of this. And so that's another way I think uh, Americans are going to benefit from a Trump administration. However, there is a, um, there, there is a hidden uh, danger in all of this, and that is inflation. Because if you have more protectionist trade policies and you have wages increasing, as I think they naturally will, MC, you're going to see signs of inflation. And inflation is what I love the most as a real estate investor. And again, I have to separate 
my philosophical ideas from reality. So philosophically, I hate inflation. I hate the idea that you can debase a currency of a nation like the dollar or the euro or whatever the currency is. But from a practical perspective, I'm going to align my interests with the most powerful forces on earth, the, the government and the central banking cartel whether it be the Federal Reserve or the European Central Bank or uh, whatever central bank, right? All these different central banks around the world, all these different governments around the world are the most powerful forces the human race has ever known. And we must align our interests with these very powerful forces. Uh, there's an old saying, don't bet against the Fed. And um, uh, that's what many investors do to their peril. Uh, so uh, you've got you've to... Gotta, Take what they're doing and love it or hate it. You've got to align your financial interest with with them, uh, and I think that's a very important part about investment philosophy. No, and and that's so so true because you're looking at what is not not how you want it to be, and then react and position yourself to that. And of course, this all, all these companies coming back to the United States and the jobs that it will also create, it will also kind of create a little sub-economy around these big GM and Ford manufacturing plants coming back. What other opportunities did you, do you see out there for small businesses and entrepreneurs uh, in this changing economy? Well, I think we're going to have a very friendly uh, environment for business uh, rather than an administration that hates business and uh, you know wants 20% of the, uh, the workers in the country to work for the government. We're going to see a, uh, a, a friendly view toward business and uh, uh, businesses will be unshackled uh, to some extent uh, by these many regulations that are just ridiculous. I mean, you just can't do anything. It's one of the reasons that after so many years I left the Socialist Republic of California because uh, California just, I, I swear to you, as many years as I employed hundreds of people in California, the state did not ever want me to employ anybody. I'm convinced of that. They made it so difficult uh, that, um, you, you know, you just eventually you just vote with your feet and you just leave. And from a big, uh, a big uh, multinational corporation uh, angle, that's what we were just talking about. That's what all these companies have been doing for decades. They've been leaving the U.S. They've been voting with their feet. Uh, because that's what they could do. And, um, you know, ar argue that Trump is restricting that, uh, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's restricting, wants to necessarily restrict them from leaving. But the contingency has to be, look, you can leave. You can do whatever you want. But if you want to sell back into our market to these consumers that you just abandon, you got to pay a premium for that. you got to pay for access to the marketplace. And, you know, historically that hasn't gone that well, the idea of tariffs and protectionism, but, you know, times are different. And uh, that, that, that a lot of that stuff happened when the U.S. was very unregulated um, and there was a more equal footing. The footing has become very unequal with five decades of massive, massive regulation of business. So... You, you got to level it out somehow. The business of America is going to be business again. That, that's for sure. 
You're listening to Jason Hartman on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed and professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with a sustainable average annual income of 12% and with cash flow beginning within 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, please visit their website at internationalcoffeefarms.com or give them a call at 877-208-7988. Changing gears a little bit, you started your journey investing in real estate and became a very successful real estate entrepreneur and investor. And then you also started a podcast, and this was in 2007, which is incredible. You were one. Oh, of- no, before that, it was really 2005. Oh. Uh, and, and then 2006, it, it was sort of more formally understood as an actual podcast. But yeah, gotcha. I know it, no, nobody even knew what a podcast was back then, MC. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's what I found amazing. You are truly one of the pioneers. How yeah. did you find out about uh, podcasting, and how did you get started? You know, I, I was listening to someone that you probably know on. Uh, AM radio. I was listening to Leo Laporte, the tech guy, uh, who's great, by the way. Yes. Um, I got to get him on my show. He's he's really good. I, I just had David Pogue on my show, another tech guy. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, Leo Laporte was on, and, and I remember it was a Saturday afternoon. I was driving around Newport Beach listening to KFI AM 640 talk radio, and uh, someone called in and and asked a question about podcasting, and I just became very intrigued with that. And I investigated it and uh, turned my terrestrial radio show that was on KRLA in Los Angeles, a Los Angeles radio station, into a podcast. And um, the rest, as they say, is history, uh, really up until 2009. And in 2009... I became interested in some other topics. Uh, the real estate market had become slow, and um, I just got interested in some other things. So I started doing some other podcasts, some other shows, and and depending on how you count, um, I have twenty one different podcast shows. I actually just started two more recently. Uh, so um, you know, it's a great education. It's a great way to learn things, and um, you know, there's no gatekeeper anymore in today's world, and that's a great opportunity for. Uh, any of your listeners who are entrepreneurs uh, who have a message that they want to get out, whether it be by podcasting or self-publishing on an electronic platform like the Kindle or whatever, there are so many ways to reach an audience nowadays. And some big uh, snooty elitist executive in uh, an ivory tower or a high-rise in New York City is not deciding anymore whether or not you can publish your book, your product, your uh, radio show, which is really what a podcast is in a way. Um, you know, you, you just decide yourself and you go directly to the audience. And then the audience 
gets to decide if they like and value your content or not. It's very democratic. It's wonderful, yeah. It's the marketplace of ideas. So yep. you're competing in that, and as you mentioned, there's no more gatekeepers. Now, yep. Jason, you've created a podcasting network with all of these shows, and you've generated over $12 million in revenue. What is your business model for podcasts and this network, and what are some of your monetization strategies? My major business model is really, you know, I, I started my podcast uh, to uh, help generate business for my real estate company. Uh, at the time, and that has still uh, still today is a major uh, revenue source, and so that has been very good. Um, but uh, in addition to that, uh, I have educational products, uh, live events, conferences, seminars, etc. And um, you know, I do all of this stuff. Uh, so the podcasting has been great for that, and and just generally uh, for thought leadership influence and my own education and to help me refine my own ideas and i'll give you one more benefit that some people may not be thinking of as a recruiting tool to recruit talent um we have over 100 contractors that work for my various companies and um uh, it, it's been a great recruiting tool to find those people and uh, to find people that understand what we're doing, what our mission is, uh, that's been a very powerful tool. And I want to touch on something. Um, do you uh, do you spend any money on advertising? Because I think this is what big corporations are still not getting: how quickly this new media and this this new uh, information age marketplace is working. Because as you mentioned, I mean, this podcast for for your business is a fantastic opportunity to basically share ideas, uh, your refine your ideas for yourself, but also showcase some of the products and the, the ways that you can provide value for others and service others. So do you guys spend any money on advertising? Very, very, very little. Now, we used to spend a lot, okay? <laughs> uh, many years ago, you know, we used to spend a quarter million dollars a year on on uh, talk radio advertising. Um, we'd advertise in, in print publications and so forth and do all kinds of things. We, we spend very little money on advertising nowadays. It's, it's, a, it's a drop in the bucket. We really don't need to spend any at all. But the marginal cost benefit is... Uh, so low, you know, if you bring in just a few new customers from uh, some of the uh, rather inexpensive advertising things we do, you know, it's well worth it. So, um, yeah, you know, very, very, very little. Now, you've seen the podcast space develop quite a bit from from its, its inception. Uh, where do you see the podcast industry moving and what is your outlook of the space? Well, you know, that's a very interesting question. I think it is a, uh, a great space uh, to be in. Um, I think it's, it's very, very oversaturated. Um, and I think that anybody considering it needs to already have a business that works. They should not necessarily, like a lot of people have approached podcasting as a business. And that works occasionally, but mostly I think it, it lends itself well to um, a supplement to one's business. Uh, people try to approach it as a business in and of itself, and that 
uh, I haven't really seen that working very well. Uh, I've talked to many, many podcasters. I've been to many podcasting or related conferences, and I've had lots of meals and drinks and cups of coffee with people over this issue and many, many discussions about it. And and the you know the the truth is that very few people are making any money and um and and so i would encourage anybody listening to focus on their their actual business their underlying business whatever it is and um consider podcasting as a way to support and supplement that business not to be that business so that's a distinction you know and of of course it's not completely accurate because there are people that have proven that idea wrong. I'm just saying that um, from from the broad view, I think that philosophy is a, is a is a good one. No, I would agree with you. There's obviously there's the John Lee Dumases and the, and those guys out there. But I would but agree, but, but, yeah. but look at Dumas for a second. Yeah, you know, that that business is really a business of selling stuff to other podcasters. Okay. Right. That that's a that's a training business, okay? That's a infopreneur guru business, right? right. Um, the actual show itself ha- has not really been the big business. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of a business because it's got advertising and so forth, and you know, he's done a great job at that. But it's not that's not a a business in the typical sense, okay? Uh, many people listening, hopefully, they already have a business, and their business works. And podcasting is just just a channel for that business. That's all. No, I, I agree yeah. with you. Now, Jason, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skills. What are you, what are you currently studying and what new skill sets are you currently learning? Oh, my gosh. Well, I've always wanted to be a great Internet marketer when I grow up, and I haven't achieved that yet. <laughs> but I, I, I do have to say I get a little tinge of jealousy and envy from some of these great Internet marketing stories I hear. Uh, oh, you know, we launched this project and we made a zillion dollars our first day. And, you know, those usually aren't quite as good as they sound, but, uh, you know, still probably pretty good either way. <laughs> so um, I, I, I really want to learn how how to, you know, do marketing. And now some people might be listening saying, are you kidding? You're a great marketer. You're crazy. You know, some people say that to me when I, when I say that type of thing. But, you know, I really think it's true. I really think, you know, understanding all of the great systems to use and uh, how to build great funnels and uh, all of these types of things, I think those are, are very powerful skills because it's so scalable. And you know what you really realize, MC, is that it is a big, big world out there. There is a, just a massive marketplace for anything you can possibly imagine. It is such a vibrant um, world, you, you know, and, and the Internet has got this unlimited scale. And it's only getting bigger because, um, like Peter Diamandis, uh, who I had the opportunity to share the stage with last month at an event where we both were speakers, um, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, well, I call him a futurist. I don't know what he calls himself, but, you know, he's, I had his co-author, Stephen uh, Kotler, on my show, and they wrote a great book called Abundance, The Future is Better Than You Think. And, you know, Peter is often talking, and Stephen are talking about uh, the rising billion. And there are so many new people. Now, granted, they don't have a ton of money, but their numbers are so big that just by sheer numbers, you know, if you can figure out how to sell a tiny percentage of them uh, a product or service and, and, you know, make 10 cents 
off of each, you'll, you'll be incredibly wealthy, okay? So it's a big, big world. It's a huge marketplace. And that's one of the things you really realize. So whatever your message or content or idea or cause is, um, put it out there. It could be through a blog. It could be through a book. It could be through a podcast. There's no gatekeeper anymore. So you can go direct to the marketplace. That's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing time. I talk about it all the time, of, of the amount of people that we are able to reach. Um, all, all you need is a smartphone, uh, basically, and anybody can listen to, to the show around the world. So, um, But, Jason, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset values and principles to future generations not just money so if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on to them three principles to build wealth and achieve happiness and success what would they be you know a few thoughts on that um and that, that's a great uh, thought experiment to ponder those the question you ask uh by the way so I, I commend you for that um and i you know i'd say the first thing is Understand that there is a massive amount of mobility, uh, economic and social mobility in the Western world. I, I can't. Sometimes I, I look back on my life and I, I can't believe what's happened. It's amazing to me. I always say it's an amazing time to be alive. But even before a lot of this amazing stuff that happened, if you live, if you're listening to this and you live in a Western oriented or, or capitalistic oriented country, hopefully you do, um, and you probably do, or you wouldn't be able to listen to this in you know, North Korea or Cuba <laughs> too easily at least. And, um, and, and you know, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in front of you. And um, don't worry about comparing yourself with everybody else. That's a, a very dangerous thing that we all do that. You know, use other people and what they're doing to inspire you, but uh, Look at it like a racehorse that runs a race. You know, a racehorse has blinders on so they can only see forward. They can't look to the side. And if we continue to look to the side all the time, it's just too easy to become distracted. Uh, we've got to look forward. And I, I grew up poor. And, uh, you know, I, I can't believe the kind of economic abundance I've created in my life out of nothing. I mean, out of just sheer will. And and uh, interest in learning things and, and curiosity. That's that's what's really done it right there. You know, quite simply. Uh, also, I would say that you've got to reinvest. Um, whatever your business is, uh, reinvest in your business. Don't uh, don't kill the golden goose, as they say. You know, don't don't spend all all the money and, and waste it and blow it reinvest. You've got to reinvest. Uh, there's an old biblical story of the five talents. You've got to invest, not save. Saving is not investing. Uh, you've got to invest in, uh, uh, you know, in my eyes, building a real estate portfolio, uh, in building your business. You've got to invest. And then the last thing I would say is um, kind of a two-part answer. It's uh, number one, one of my favorite quotes is a, is a Zen quote, and it goes like this. It says, to know and not to do is to not yet know. So what does that mean? It means you have to take action. You have to do something. Don't be the know-it-all that knows all the answers but doesn't do anything. The world is full of educated derelicts. You've got to do stuff. And then the last part of it would be to just be curious. Develop the trait 
of just being incredibly curious about everything. Whenever anything happens, whenever you observe anything in the world, just ask yourself questions about it. Why is this happening? Why does that person act that way? Uh, why does this work that way? You know, uh, I mean, can you imagine the founders of Airbnb and Uber? Uh, one day they said, why does it work that way? You know, why do I have to, if I want to go stay in a city, why do I have to book a hotel? Can I just stay at someone's house? Uh, if I want to get, uh, you know, take a ride somewhere in a car, why do I have to call a taxi? Isn't there another way? You know, uh, every every great discovery has basically come out of a question or a problem. So be really curious. Very important thing. Thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic advice. And to be able to critically think and, like you said, be curious, ask questions, because uh, questions is very, very powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. Questions uh, Questions are the key. No question. No question. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jason, how, how can my audience learn more about you and uh, your company, your podcasts, and keep informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my real estate company website is jasonhartman.com. There's a great 27-minute free video there that'll be the crash course and how to become an investor in 27 minutes. Yeah, that'll make you a great investor. It's many people have told me they watched that video and it's, they spent thousands and thousands of dollars on courses and they've been studying real estate investing for years and read a ton of books on it. And they watched that video and it just made it all clear for them. Uh, so that's available at jasonhartman.com. And my last name is spelled H-A-R-T-M-A-N, jasonhartman.com. And then my podcast network, hartmanmedia.com. And uh, also just on iTunes or any podcast platform, just type my name, Jason Hartman. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and sharing your journey, your knowledge, and your experience. It's been a fantastic experience uh, conversing with you, and I had a blast. MC, I had a great time, too, and much success to you and your listeners. Thank you. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining me and my guest Jason Hartman today on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I really have been humbled by your support and feedback, and if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Today's show was brought to you by International Coffee Farms and Joint Ops Properties. Coffee is a proven product and a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through International Coffee Farms, you now have a chance to own your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama. Professionally turnkey managed for you. You can visit their website at internationalcoffeefarms.com to download your free 16-page coffee farm ownership opportunity report.
The website again is internationalcoffeefarms.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They have designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge investing, to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 